Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here. A review of Royal Caribbean's Lore of the Seas coming up a little later on in the show. Uh, Dr. Chris and his family did a Western Caribbean sailing. Also answering your Mediterranean cruise questions and Sherry Kennedy standing by with Cruise News. But before we go any further, Captain Pierre Luigi Lanero, you may remember him or you may have seen sailed with him before. He was the captain for the past 20 years on Carnival Imagination. He's been with the cruise line for uh, almost 40. He passed away a couple of days ago because of cancer. And, uh, you know, he's part of our extended cruise family. We get we become really close with this, the crew and the staff, Facebook friends and and what have you. So our thoughts and prayers are certainly with our extended family and Captain Lanero's family as we're going through his loss right now and mourning him. We sure are going to miss him. With that said, don't forget Cruise Radio News. It's our Cruise Radio Facebook group. You can come there and kick around the cruise conversation. All right, let's get right to the show. Sherry Kennedy is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. Hello. Carnival Cruise Line has now sailed their inaugural voyage to Cuba. They did. The Paradise left out of Tampa after a big celebration with a big big Cuban sandwich. They are headed for the first time to Cuba. There's not going to be a whole lot of departures, so if you're really interested in going, um, there's one in July, three in August, three in September, and three in October. And uh, the last one that goes, the very final one going to Havana is on May 3rd of 2018. So if this is something that someone has always wanted to do, raise my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You know, get on the bandwagon pretty quick. Galveston, Texas just showed off their new cruise terminal, Cruise Terminal 2 over there. What kind of updates did it get? Well, the biggest one I think for, that will affect uh, cruise passengers is originally they only had 500 seats mm-hmm. for embarking guests. Now they have about 2,000 uh, seats to accommodate them, which is really wonderful. There are 16 more check-in booths, so that's going to expedite the boarding process for sure. There's a larger baggage holding area. The customs waiting areas have been expanded. And, uh, you know, Royal Caribbean really wanted to get one of their Freedom Class ships into Galveston. So uh, all this expansion is going to enable the terminal to, you know, handle ships up to 5,000 passengers. So... Big ships will be a moving in. You know, it seems like they're, they are still having debarkation issues over there, though. Yeah, you know, I think, um, I, you know, of course they're very busy, but until they can do it with the expeditiousness of, say, Fort Lauderdale's um, oasis and Allure Terminal, you know, everything's going to have hiccups. But if you've done those, and I know you have, but um, they're just awesome how fast they can get people on the ships. I remember a couple of shows ago, we did a review at a, with someone who sailed out of there on Liberty of the Seas, and he said that embarkation was good, but debarkation was a disaster. So it sounds like they don't have it quite tightened up yet, but it's making they're making progress. Moving on, Disney Cruise Line received a perfect health score for all four of their ships. This Bravo, for sure. That's pretty amazing. Um, it's the only cruise line to get a perfect rating for their entire fleet. And of course, it helps that there are only four ships right. in their fleet. <laughs> But uh, still, you know, it's something you can brag about. Uh, yeah, and they all had 100% with the CDC, and it's a pretty pretty rigorous uh, inspection. Um, as you know, it's spontaneous, and if someone has ever boarded their ship a little bit later, 
because of a delay? It, chances are it's, it was because of a CDC uh, pop inspection. You know, they check, oh gosh, they, well, they go through the kitchen. I know once um, I was talking to someone on a galley tour and they said they had gotten dinged for an inspection. And I said, well, why is that? And they said, uh, the inspector found one tile was missing in the floor and they marked them off for that. So that sort of gives you an idea as to how strenuous some of these um, you know, checklists can be as far as passing or not passing. And the good news, too, is that this only happens when ships enter and leave the U.S. ports. So if you know some cruise line has their ships over in Europe or South America or Australia or China, it's a different story altogether. been reading a lot of stories over the past few days. Do we actually know the name of Royal Caribbean's next ship yet? We do not, but the uh, if someone wants to snoop around and find out what has been trademarked lately, they'd find that Royal Caribbean trademarked the name Spectrum of the Seas hmm. recently. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I really like that name. But, uh, you know, they have, they have um, several ships on order, including an Oasis-class ship, two Quantum Ultra-classes, and two of the new Icon-class ships. So they have a lot of names coming up. But if someone is savvy enough, they can rummage through the trademark uh, website and see what names might be, uh, have been previously filed. Did I read Apex of the Seas? I know. It's like, don't monkey around. I mean, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I can't believe that joy of the seas, yeah. you know, I don't know. Well, Apex, you know, though. Well, you have to trademark a bunch of them because you never know what you're going to use or who might take it. That's right. Same yeah. with grabbing uh, domain names. Ur- yeah, URLs, exactly. <laughs> so we have a couple listener questions here, Sherry. Are you up for them? I'm ready. Okay, the first one is from Abby. She's in Palm Coast, Florida. She says, my husband and I are looking at a sailing this fall to the Caribbean. Is there really a cheaper week to cruise? Well, dear Abby, I've always <laughs> wanted to say that. Now you can. Um, yeah, you know, it, there, yes, there are cheaper weeks to cruise. Um, when she said fall, I wasn't sure if she meant late summer, you know, when the kids go back to school, or, you know, going into October and mid-November and even early December. So bumping it back, um, right after Labor Day, prices tend to be lower. Um, everyone's back in school. Uh, the week before and the week after Thanksgiving, are historically lower priced. Mm -hmm. People want to get ready for the holidays or they're recovering from the holiday. And then there's that weird week in the middle of December. Generally, it depends on, of course, when the the weekends fall. But um, it's usually between like the 12th and, say, the 19th or something in 13th and the 20th. And that week is historically, I have found, the lowest of all the weeks in the year, just by my, you know, I've been doing this for 20-something years, and that's really the best week if you can do that. And it's still considered fall. You know, it's weird because you would think Labor Day cruises would be through the roof, but I've paid like 129 for a three-night before for a Labor Day cruise. Yeah, and that's true, too. You know, I'm, I'm, my brain is gearing more towards uh, a seven-night cruise. Sure. But yeah, sometimes the holiday cruises last minute, you can grab something cheap and, you know, may not even have to be an inside. Maybe it's a balcony. I mean, you never can stop looking. If you really want to get a good rate, it, you know, it can happen at any time. But, you know, there's always those key weeks or weekends that might be historically lower. Next question comes from Emily in Houston, Texas. If you were to put a Carnival and Norwegian ship side by side, what are the major differences? We have two kids, ages five and nine, and are trying to find the best choice for adult fun while keeping the kiddos entertained. 
Whoa. Well, and I'm That's going to lot. assume this is Caribbean that they're talking about. Sure. It's kind of a tough decision without knowing the people themselves, but there are some generalizations that we can conclude. Both cruise lines provide a lot of, you know, plenty of adult fun and kid fun. Um, you know, it, it sort of depends on what your interests are. If adults like, you know, a lot of the big shows, the late night shows, you might find more of that. I think on Norwegian, for some reason, they tend to skew a little bit older in their demographic. But, you know, that's not always true, of course, if you're going in the middle of summer. Mm -hmm. But um, the older ships, you know, they have put many of the bells and whistles that are found on the newer ships. But if the kids really want wild and crazy water parks, then you're going to have to look at the newer ships of both Carnival and Norwegian. But if you have older children, maybe Norwegian is a little more... Um, involved in their outdoor activities and carnival, their water parks and the you know the waterworks, that would keep five and nine year olds pretty well occupied. Um, you know, both have great children's programs, but again, going back to the old camp carnival, they've really got that down to a science. For kids programs, maybe I would lean a little more towards carnival. For older children and adults. Um, maybe a little bit more towards Norwegian. You know, Norwegian restaurants and the freestyle dining, that can keep anybody entertained. There's so many options. More, though, are not so much kid, little kid-friendly. Um, you know, they've got the pizza and the sandwiches and all that, but Carnival has, you know, all the outdoor ones. Look at the pictures. I think the pictures will tell you a lot. Of course, they're staged and all that, but you can still see the the backgrounds and see what the activities look like. You know, you're not going to have a five-year-old walking the plank on Norwegian, right? (laughs) So it really varies as to what your kids can do. But um, I don't know if I've answered the questions, but I'm trying to guide Emily into into how to make an informed decision based on what their family's needs are um, and not what my personal preferences might be. I want to interject a couple of things here. I wrote down a couple of notes while you were talking. Um, I think that Norwegian has better dining options. I think Carnival has less fees, like not nickeling diming. Um, cooler water parks, definitely Norwegian on their newer ships. Um, as far as a casual vibe, I think Carnival, um, casual vibe as in a real chill around the ship kind of flip-flops and board shorts kind of atmosphere. I think that's Carnival for sure. Um, that's pretty much about all I have. I mean, Carnival has, you know, they carry over a quarter million kids a year. So they, they're doing something right there. And it says a lot to have that many kids on there. Yeah, they're the fun ship. And I, I totally agree with everything you said. You know, Norwegian's rest dining options, it makes your head spin. Well, Emily, I hope this helps you and doesn't confuse you even more. Um, if your vacation is ruined, make sure you email Sherry and tell her about it. Sherry at cruisemaven.com. Thanks for being on the show, Sherry. Thanks so much, Doug. This is Cruise Radio. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? 
Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Want more Cruise Radio? Find a library of over 400 episodes on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. Chris just returned from a six-night Western Caribbean sailing aboard Royal Caribbean's Allure of the Seas. He joins us this evening. Hey, Chris, how you doing, buddy? Good, Doug. How about you? Good, man. This was a six-night sailing, not a seven. So uh, what made you want to pick the six-night sailing? They sailed on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Let's see, it was January 2nd, so it allowed us to avoid paying the surcharge for the New Year's Eve holiday. Um, so it just reduced the cost overall. I want to ask you your pre-cruise thoughts. So is that why you picked this sailing? Um, The main reason was we really wanted to try, you know, Royal's biggest ship, Mm -hmm. or I guess it's now slightly dwarfed by the harmony of the seas. Plus, um, it gave us an option not only to pay less, but spend some time in Fort Lauderdale over the New Year's Eve holiday. So we kind of got the best of both worlds that way. I know recently you've done Serenade of the Seas and Liberty of the Seas and going to one of the world's largest cruise ships. Did you do any extra research before you sailed on this ship? Um, You know, you've had a lot of uh, reviews on your podcast and I've read lots of reviews. So I don't think I did any additional research. per se, other than listening to all the reviews and what people had done. I want to get your thoughts on Terminal 18 at Port Everglades. It blows me away how fast they can process you uh, from the curb to the ship. How was your experience? Um, We were lucky. We left on a Monday, so I think there were only three other ships in the entire port. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, uh, made it particularly easy to get through but the terminal we got there about 10 one of the earliest times we've arrived there was actually no wait to check in they took us right away no one in front of us and we waited for 45 minutes and then we're on board so it was a smooth process overall and i never saw really any backups while we were waiting to board either nice so uh, you make your way on board allure of the seas your first royal caribbean mega ship what were your first impressions um, it's very similar to some of the other large ships with that, uh, main, uh, Royal promenade. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just that and so much bigger. So it was very impressive, um, to just walk inside and see this multi-story, um, what used to be an atrium. Now it's this stretched out, you know, like shopping hall. Yeah. yeah shopping <laughs> district. Um, it, it's impressive. It's very impressive. Meanwhile, this is like your son's, what, 20th cruise? So he's like, oh, it's just another cruise ship. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. It's 15th cruise. Nice. Um, one, of the, one of the reasons why I knew we needed to do the uh, lure was my wife 
was fascinated by the Royal Promenade on the Liberty. Mm -hmm. She just really liked the feel, um, you know, to her, it felt like she wasn't on a cruise ship. And so she really liked that kind of vibe. So that helped sell her on the ship. What kind of stateroom did you have? We had a Central Park view stateroom. So it's basically an interior view, kind of ocean view cabin. But instead of an ocean view, you look over Central Park. And what's nice about it is they have this huge um, bay windows that you can actually sit in. And it gives a nice extra, almost like a uh, love seat option to sit in. It was really comfortable. Love those little sitting areas. What did you think of the stateroom overall? I think it's actually my favorite cabin today. It just seemed very spacious. Uh, the distance between like the couch and where the TV was also had one of the largest TVs I've ever seen in a stateroom. Um, all the luggage fit nicely under the bed. And I think this was the first cruise ship I've ever been on where the cabin door in, uh, opened into the hallway or corridor yeah. Yeah. instead of into the room. So that gave it a lot more room in that central enter hallway. So uh, space wise, I loved it. It was very accommodating. I didn't think about that. I guess the Oasis-class ships do open up into the hallway. Yeah, I think a yeah. couple NCL ships have that, yeah. too, from what I've read. But, yeah, it gives you a lot of options for space, so they're able to move the closet over to the side of the bed. Yeah. And another thing I like, we, we didn't use it because we didn't know our neighbors, but it was a connecting stateroom, mm -hmm. and they put the connecting door right up by the entrance door, so it doesn't... It doesn't force them to take away part of the couch like we had on the Liberty or take away part of the kind of credenza where the TV is. Sure, yeah, very smart. Let's switch gears and talk about the food on the ship, the important stuff. Uh, we'll start at the Windjammer, the buffet, and go down from there. I don't think we've made it to the Windjammer until maybe the second or third day of the cruise. Um, but the Windjammer, it, it's... Probably smaller than it needs to be for the size of ship. It did get congested. But what they did overall is they had people kind of hold you at the door until a table was available. So it was actually much more efficient than any other ship I had been on. I would say the food was higher quality than I've had previously on Royal Caribbean ships. The, the preparation and quality of ingredients was far superior. And even on the last night, they had crab legs um, on the buffet when we walk through. And I've never seen crab legs offered on a buffet before. That makes two of us. Let's talk about the main dining room. What time dining did you have? Uh, we had any time dining, but I'll be honest, this is the first cruise we've never actually stepped foot into the main dining wow. room. All right. So we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we ate all specialty dining. Yeah, we'll skip that and go right to specialty then. So what, uh, what venues did you go to? Uh, we had planned to hit them all, mm -hmm. um, but we missed. We did not go to Azumi, and we did not make it to Johnny Rockets for lunch. But we did go there for breakfast, which is complimentary. Didn't I see where you went to a steakhouse like a couple of times because you loved it so much? Uh, we went to. We had reservations for Chops twice, mm -hmm. um, but the standouts on this cruise were 150 Central Park, which is their highest end restaurant, and. Carlo, our server, was phenomenal. Uh, he catered to my son like never before. 
And the food there was just phenomenal. I mean, they start you off with bread with unsalted butter, and they give you, I think, six international salts to try. Everything from uh, volcanic salt out of Hawaii to an Indian salt that is infused with sulfur, so it has kind of a hard-boiled egg taste. Um, And the foods are prepared um, kind of small plate style, really infusing a variety of flavors. So uh, that was definitely one after we ate there on the first night. Actually, it was our second night. We knew we had to go there again. Yum. Where else did you go? Uh, We did Samba Grill, which is the Brazilian steakhouse. Mm -hmm. And I know that gets mixed reviews. It's actually inside the solarium, Mm -hmm. which is the adult pool area. It's kind of a glassed off section. And by day, it's the solarium bistro. So by day, it's complimentary. At night, it's a Brazilian steakhouse. And I thought for the money, um, I think it was $25, but we were on the dining plan. So we just paid a fixed price for the week. I think it was one of the best values in terms of the quality of meats that were provided. Uh, Speaking of the dining plan, I want to ask you, is it cheaper for you to buy the dining plan or are you just paying for your meals in advance and not having to actually worry about it whenever you get on board the ship? No, it's significantly cheaper. Um, I think a five-night package ran just over a hundred dollars. So you're paying, you know, about 20 bucks per night for the specialty dining where they usually range from 30 to say 45. So it's a good discount. So you did Brazilian 150 Central Park. Uh, What other ones really stood out for you? Uh, We did Chops, which is their traditional steakhouse. It was good. It it didn't hit the spot as well as previous cruises, but our last cruise we ate there four times. So we may have just overindulged in the past. We did Giovanni's Table, which is their Italian uh, restaurant, which was very good, twice. And we also did Sabor, the modern Mexican a la carte restaurant on boarding day, just mainly to escape the crowds that are inherent at the Windjammer on boarding day. How is that Mexican restaurant? I've walked by it so many times and the smells just suck me in, but I haven't had a chance to try it yet. Uh, what were your thoughts there? It was good. Um you know, they have table side guacamole, mm-hmm. um, which is really good. Fresh chips. I'm from San Diego. I travel to Mexico a lot. So I'm I'm a bit snootier about my Mexican. So it was um, it was a modern take on Mexican. Mm-hmm. So you can't go in there expecting traditional Mexican food. Their barbacoa, which is kind of a shredded beef was phenomenal, Mm -hmm. but I would not have attributed it to barbacoa because it had a sweeter kind of barbecue flavor to it. Um, So it was one of the best meats I've ever had, but didn't quite fit in my liking for a taco. You mentioned it was like a la carte. So how, like per person, just a ballpark estimate, what would you say you would spend per person in there for lunch? Um... You know, you could get out of there for like seven bucks a person. Oh, I think okay. we three of us ate for twenty one bucks. Oh, that's not bad at all then. And that no, that was the you know, the guacamole. We each got an entree and one side dish. So it's very reasonably priced. I'd say so. Let's talk about entertainment aboard Allure. I think that's where the Allure really shines. The comedians on board f- were phenomenal. We actually went back to their show- shows multiple times. The high diving show was astounding. The Mamma Mia, the Broadway production was fabulous, um, as was Blue Planet, which is another production show that they do. And of course, they also have the uh, ice theater as well. 
I know from past interviews, your son loves the kids club. Did he go on the sailing? Of course. That's his favorite place on board. He actually opted to go with them to dinner one night instead of going to Chops, which is one of his favorite specialty restaurants. And one of the staff asked if they could go with us to Chops in his place. (laughs) But apparently being with the staff and the kids and having French fries, chicken nuggets, and pizza – was better than going to a steakhouse. Give him 10 years. He'll he'll learn quickly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, he loves the late night activities and his friends. And, you know, the, the activities really get the kids to bond. So, you know, he, by the second hour of the first night, he has a whole slew of friends. <laughs> this six-night sailing went to Cozumel, Costa Maya, and Nassau. So you had a couple of sea days sprinkled in there. Uh, how were the sea days on this sailing for you? Sea days are one of my favorite things. It's my wife's least favorite thing. So um, we always have to be careful on picking itineraries. So our last last cruise, we had one sea day in two weeks. So this one, we had two sea days in six days. So this was a little more to my liking. Um, lots of activities on board. Adventure Ocean always had two family activities per day. They would have a science hour around noontime and then another activity right about five o'clock. So that helped with family activities. And then there was so much to do on the ship between the zip line, the flow riders, the rock wall, that it, or even open ice skating, that it's hard not to find something to do. When you went to Cozumel, you went to Chickenob. I think that's what it's called. I could be mispronouncing it. I don't know. But how was that experience for you? It was really good. We had booked online, not through the cruise line, a manatee excursion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were originally were going to do a dune buggy excursion, but when my wife saw they had this manatee option, that was what she really wanted to do. And it was 59 bucks, and you got an hour in the water with the manatees, and basically you fed them and petted them and whatnot, and then you played with them, and then you talked to the vet about their care, and then it ended with an open swim with the manatees. They gave you snorkel gear, and you went swimming with them. And for the money, it was a great deal. It's 13 bucks to get there by cab. Uh, When we checked in, we were early, so they just moved us to an earlier time slot, which I would recommend, uh, just because the it's you you get more time with the manatees because the groups are smaller. And then they uh, asked us if we wanted to upgrade to a dolphin encounter, which included lunch for another thirty bucks. So um, I think that was the deal of the day. So for under a hundred bucks, we had lunch, uh, two encounters with the manatees, and an extra encounter with the dolphin. Cool. And then uh, Costa Maya, what did you do there? Uh, we went to the new uh, water park. I think it's called uh, uh, Maya Lost Kingdom or something like that. Okay. And I think that might be the best excursion value in the Caribbean. Uh, runs about 80 bucks, give or take, depending on child and adult pricing. And they have maybe six or seven different zip lines that you can ride all day. And they have probably close to a dozen water slides, everything from racing slides where you ride on a mat to a couple of um, raft slides to the full on, you know, nearly vertical uh, water slides. How how close was that to the port? Uh, Five, six minute walk. It's really close. You can see it from the ship. Last but not least, you went to Nassau. How was Nassau? It was Nassau. (laughs) Still there. (laughs) 
Yeah, still there. We got off the ship. We walked, you know, did our obligatory uh, stroll through the straw market, which last time we were there, it was in the tent because the original one had burned down. Mm -hmm. So the building's really nice. The straw market hasn't changed. Um, You know, if you're having any self-doubts about your looks, just go through there and you'll be called pretty lady as many times Mm -hmm. as you want. Um, But it's Nassau. You know, it's... uh, if we had more time, I probably would have done an excursion or gone to the beach. But since we, uh, I think we were only there till three, it was really just get off, stretch our legs, stroll around, look what's going on and get back on the ship. You make your way back to Port Everglades. How was it disembarking at Terminal 18? Um, it was it was great. It was excellent. Uh, we had group four, mm-hmm. which was kind of nice. And I think they said they call us between 815 and 820, 830. And we left our cabin about eight o'clock, went down to deck five where you disembark. And I asked the staff, what number are you on? And this was about 10 after eight. They said 18. So (laughs) they were really efficient. We just strolled off the ship. No waits to get the luggage. No waits. I think there was one family in front of us at customs. And so off to a cab and to the airport quickly. Now that you finally sailed on one of the world's largest cruise ships, what kind of tips do you have to share with other listeners? Definitely be prepared to plan ahead. Uh, while you can, you know, I'm going to say crash the shows, uh, you can get in early if you make reservations ahead of time. So you're guaranteed a seat. Although if you don't make the reservations, most of the shows at the end of the week had plenty of seating. And there were many times where we just said, uh, let's try to do it again. And you get in line 15 minutes before the show, and then they open it up after all the reservation holders' time has passed. It also sounds like you would suggest uh, buying the dining package. I would do it, especially if you're going to do 150 Central Park, which is the more expensive restaurant. Mm -hmm. So really, you could eat at 150 for all five nights if you wanted to? I think so. I I mean, I wasn't told of any limitation, Hmm. and I don't know if we lucked out because we had the package or... They were being very accommodating, but for some reason, they did not charge us for my son the entire week. Oh, So you don't book children on the dining package because if they're under 12, they only pay a $10 fee. Yeah. And for some reason, they never charge us the $10 fee at all for him. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of your cruise? The ship itself. Yeah. You can't go wrong with the allure. Although I did learn that we're more itinerary people than ship people. So if we can get both, that's great. But really, probably for most future cruises, we're going to be looking more heavily at the itinerary. In closing, final thoughts of Allure of the Seas. You can't go wrong with the ship. There's something for everyone. Um, And while it's a massive ship with a lot of people, rarely is there uh, congestion. There's so many different venues to go to that it really handles the people well. We've been talking with Chris. He just returned from a six-night Western Caribbean sailing aboard Allure of the Seas. Chris, it was great talking to you and catching up, buddy. Good talking to you, Doug. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. We always like to get your questions about shore excursions here on the show. Today we have Sheila and Jackie from CruisingExcursions.com to field your questions. Hi, Sheila. Hi, Jackie. Hello. Hello. So our first question is, uh, Justin, he's sailing on Norwegian Getaway this summer. He says, we'll be visiting the port of St. Petersburg on our upcoming cruise, and we want to get the most out of our time in port. What do you recommend? How wonderful. There's so much to see and do in St. Petersburg. If you're in port for two days, I definitely recommend taking a two-day tour. 
And we have a fabulous two-day shared group tour, which includes your visas, which covers all the passengers for while they're on the tours. It's one of our best-selling excursions, and it takes in all of the main sites on two eight-hour days. The places you'll visit include the opulent Hermitage, Church of the Spilled Blood, the stunning Catherine's Palace, and the fabulous Peterhof Park. Of course, you'll have time to browse the local shops for souvenirs as well. And we also offer the same tour as a small group tour, which has a maximum of 16 passengers, perfect for those who prefer a more personal experience or who perhaps struggle to keep pace with a larger group. Our staff are more than happy to talk you through all the options to make sure you get the very best out of this amazing city. Yeah, looking forward to visiting St. Petersburg someday. Our next question comes from Haley. She says, 11 of us will be in Montenegro in August and would like suggestions on day tours. Our ship is docked until 5 p.m. local time. Well, for Montenegro, we have a very popular tour of Budva and Sveti Stefan. The tour is four and a half hours long and we'll start by taking you along the south coast with its stunning views all around. Once we reach um, Budva, you'll have the chance to see the citadel of this ancient town along with its many frescoes and icons. You'll be able to sit and have a coffee and take in the wonderful views of one of the three squares in the old town also. We'll then take you to the view of Sveti Stefan. This is an old fishing village and it's on its own island which is attached by um, a causeway. This is now a luxury private resort but was once owned by Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. And this is a must-see as the views are spectacular and we can understand why this island was so special to them. We then travel back to Couture, again with its fantastic views all around. Um, just one note also as well, when the cruise is approaching Couture, please do try and get on deck to experience the spectacular scenery because it's absolutely wonderful and magical. Our next question comes from Lara. She says, my husband noticed we are going to split Croatia on our eastern Mediterranean cruise. We've never heard of that port. We're only familiar with Dubrovnik. Any suggestions on things to do while in split Croatia? We enjoy very active excursions. Yeah, we've got a great excursion from Split, and it's um, a lovely place to visit. The excursion takes in Split and Tregea, and these are a couple of real hidden gems. It starts with a drive to Tregea, which is um, a town that arose from the ancient Tregorian with plenty of ancient buildings and monuments and a really rich history. Some of the monuments and buildings that you'll see are things like the cathedral and the Sipico Palace, Town Hall, Benedictine Monastery, etc. Um, after the sightseeing tour of Tregor, we'll continue on to Split. Split is a town of ancient history. You'll be very pleased to know that it starts with a walking tour since you like to be active. Um, it'll take you on the famous palace, and, which is one of the most precious monuments in the city. It goes right back to ancient architecture. It's a kind of imperial palace, and it was enlisted in UNESCO's World Heritage, so something a real must-see. Your walking tour gives you lots of opportunity to enjoy the historic ambience of Split. Along the way, your guide will point out other sites, including the Golden Gate, the Silver Gate, and the Peristyle Square. On completing the walking tour, you'll have time to visit the thriving and vibrant open markets before returning to the ship. I love open markets in Europe. They're so awesome. <laughs> you get some real, real gems, can't yeah, you? Totally. All right, our next question says, we would like to visit the Acropolis in Athens. Do you provide tickets or do we need to purchase them locally? Well, we have a very popular guided panoramic tour of Athens, which not only allows you to see the world-famous monuments, but also have some free time to shop in the city's area of Plaka too. 
Um, the Acropolis tickets are included in this and you may have a chance to see things like the changing of the guard in Constitution Square, mm-hmm. which is very popular, along with some of the other most important sites, of course, such as the Parthenon, the Temple of Zeus and many others, including the very first area where the Olympics was first built. Mm-hmm. Our guides have an amazing amount of knowledge and are happy to pass it on to our guests. I feel that this is a great tour and it gives a great insight into the history plus free time to relax and taking all the atmosphere. Our final question is from Becky. She says, our Greek Isles tour include Mykonos and it looks beautiful. What would be the best excursion to take on the island? Mykonos is beautiful indeed. Our fantastic essential collection, Cosmopolitan Mykonos and Beach Tour is a definite favourite. Mykonos is famous for its windmills and white houses with views over the Aegean Sea. As you stroll through the harbour area and move through the tiny but the pristine streets with its beautiful buildings of shops and restaurants and look at the windmills that are aligned across the shore, I have heard that this is called the Venice of the Sea um, due to the houses that are built right onto the edge of the sea. The tour will take you also to Anamira with its 16th century monastery and then to um, Kalefti Beach. This is um, a really lovely beach with exclusive restaurants there as well. And it, it's great to have a rest on the beach area before heading back into the harbour. The harbour also is absolutely buzzing with restaurants and really, really busy and it's um, like a semicircle. And uh, the atmosphere is absolutely fantastic. And you just watch and see people moving along to their business and um, enjoying the atmosphere and, and the sunshine as well. So it's a fabulous country and it's, it's got lots and lots of different things to see. There's also, obviously, it's very uh, popular for filmmaking as well. And I do believe um, a very famous English film was made there called Shirley Valentine. And also, I've heard that um, the film Mamma Mia was filmed there as well. I'm not 100% sure, but that's what I've been told. So it's something to have a look around for the um, the scenery and everything as well, so that you might be able to recognize some of it. I guess the important question about Mykonos is, are there drinking opportunities there? There are drinking opportunities, very many. <laughs> <laughs> All the pictures I see of Mykonos, it just looks like people are having the best time over there. It's a, a beautiful little island. I was very taken with it when I went there personally. And the houses on the front of the sea, it, it, they, they just look spectacular. The windmills are beautiful. And I was really surprised and taken aback to see how clean and pristine all of the whitewashed houses are. And the streets are immaculate. There's lots of designer shops there as well. So I would suggest taking some extra money to buy your designer items. Yeah. There's also um, a beach, that par- uh, sorry, a party beach that rivals Ibiza apparently <laughs> there now. It is the place to be. Awesome. You know what? You were talking about how picturesque and how clean the houses are. It, it almost looks like it's not real. It looks like you're at Epcot at Disney or something where it's like it looks almost manufactured. That's how at least these pictures, that's how the pictures look. They just look, I don't know. It, it looks, uh, I, I got to experience the place. because It looks amazing. It is amazing. The streets are so very narrow as well. And as I said, 
the houses and all the streets are so clean. It looks just like it is in the pictures. So it, it is. It's so pretty. We've been talking with Sheila and Jackie over at CruisingExcursions.com about Mediterranean shore excursions and a St. Petersburg excursion if you're heading up on Norwegian Getaway this summer especially. Sheila, Jackie, have a great weekend and thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Goodbye. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.